You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Next up on Destination Freedom. You know, and we have systemic racism. We can always fall back on that because that is the root cause. But, you know, we also have personal decision-making capacity that we're trying to tap into with everybody and saying, yes, you know, we know the struggle is there, but that same struggle was there for myself, for, for Donnie Betts, for that black doctor, that black mayor, that black police officer, you know. So um, we're just trying to show people that, living in these different kind of lifestyles and focusing that anger on negativity is is really not going to get us anywhere. We need to focus our anger towards things like Senate Bill 217, um, these protests we're doing down at the Capitol, down at the Aurora Municipal Center, for Elijah McClain and the Charlotte Carter, uh, the protests that are going on for Devon Bailey and Colorado Springs. We're trying to get people who do have misplaced anger directed towards these righteous causes that we're working on. Welcome to Destination Freedom Black Radio Days podcast. I'm producer director, Danielle Betts. Black Radio Days bring you a special podcast. I'm proud to share with you a series of interviews with healthcare providers, COVID-19 survivors, and social justice warriors. We will continue on our road to Destination Freedom Black Radio Days. First up, my interview with longtime activist Terrence Roberts as he discusses what he sees happening in the community as the Black Lives Matter protests continue. He also will talk about the House Bill 217 and Senate Bill 217 that passed in Colorado. It was a sweeping police reform and accountability bill and signed into law by Governor Jared Paulus. Now, Destination Freedom. Hello, everyone. My name is Donnie Betts, and you're listening to Metro on KGNU. Today, uh, we're honored to have a great, great guest on. His name is Terrence Roberts. Terrence Roberts has been a real force in the community of Denver and throughout national as well for, for many, many years. And he's lived a lot of different lives, and um, he's done a lot of different things. You hear the different um, noise in the background. Uh, Terrence, how are you first? Yes, sir. And how is your family? I'm good, man. I'm I'm really good. I'm, I'm feeling mentally well, physically well, uh, spiritually well, and growing. And my family is good. We're we're just enjoying life, and I'm out here working hard, man, at my job and organizing for the people. Perfect, perfect. Now you were sharing with me off mic that you were actually in the, uh, visiting a friend in the hospital right now. Can you share with us that story? <clears throat> Yes, um, a friend of mine who I grew up with got gunned down in Northeast Park Hill the other day. 
and you know we're still having having the fight you know violence in the community amongst the amongst the tribes and we're fighting systemic racism police violence towards us and you know we've got a few different wars going on right now that we're forefront can you can you uh, uh, expand on that a little bit more? Uh, different wars on the co- on, on different fronts because I know a lot of people have been talking about some things are being forgotten about uh, with all the just amazing protests that are happening, but also COVID nineteen and so on and so forth. But still, reality is there are other things happening in the community too that people need to be aware about. Share a little bit about that story. I mean, definitely. Not only are we fighting police brutality because, of course, you know the saying they got their 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 knee on our necks. Um, and they're murdering us without justice. But we are still fighting gang violence. We are still fighting drug violence and drug abuse. Uh, we're fighting domestic violence in the community. We're fighting depression, anger. We got all of those things. You know, we can't be preaching change and preaching stop the violence. And we're not talking about mental health aspects of, of why people are, are hitting each other. Why are people shooting each other? You know, and, and we have systemic racism. We can always fall back on that because... That is the root cause, but, you know, we also have personal decision-making capacity that we're trying to tap into with everybody and saying, yes, you know, we know the struggle is there, but that same struggle was there for myself, for, for Donnie Betts, for that black doctor, that black mayor, that black police officer, you know, so um, we're just trying to show people that living in these different kind of lifestyles and focusing that anger on negativity is, is really not going to get us anywhere. We need to focus our anger towards things like Senate Bill 217, um, these protests we're doing down at the Capitol, down at the Aurora Municipal Center, for Elijah McClain and Michelle's Carter, uh, the protests that are going on for Devon Bailey and Colorado Springs. We're trying to get people who do have misplaced anger directed towards these righteous causes that we're working with. You brought up a few things that I want to touch more on. Um, First, I start with uh, Devon Bailey, the protest in Colorado Springs. Uh, happened to be in uh, Colorado Springs last August when this event took place. I was not physically at the location, of course. I was directing a play down there called The Mountaintop, uh, which is about King's last day as he was gunned down. So this young man was shot in the back. Um, some say three times, some say seven times. Um, so let's talk about, you know, because it was so many people being killed. You know, some lives are being um, lost. Can you talk a little bit, as much as you know about that particular case, and you said that we should be fighting for, uh, you said Devon Bailey, Elijah McClain, and so on and so forth. Let's let's talk about him first, and then we'll talk about SB uh, Bill. I mean, even, even with Devon, with Devon, you called it out, like, he was shot in his back. And I know that they said that he had a weapon, and they had some suspicious call about a robbery or something that went on. Um but he was running away, and even if you watch the video, he was trying to give up. He was trying to put his hands in the air and give up. He was just a scared kid running from the police. He was not a threat to the cops, and the cops murdered him because he knew he could. And that's the problem with what we're fighting with these police killings. These aren't accidental killings in, in the midst of a scuffle. We're talking about police who are stunning down or choking men and women to death because they know they can get away with it. And that's the problem. So, you know, um, young man who was got caught up, I'm not extending it myself. You know, I've made mistakes. You know, I've, I've been chased by the police. And it's crazy to think now in this day and age, if, if any one of those other times where I had to run from the police, 
they could have easily shot me and killed me. Absolutely. Just like they did Devon Bailey. Mm-hmm. And, and no charges would have been found either. Right. It would have been uh, considered justified. Yes, sir. It would have. Yeah. So what's what I see so often, I have seen so often, hopefully that's going to change in the future, is, is, is just what I just said, justifiable shooting. And my thing is, how can you be running away from someone and it's, and it's still justified and you're shot in the back? Um, that's a coward. That's the way I look at it, you know. So Exactly. Yeah. So we talk about Devon Bailey just a little bit, and there are different petitions that are floating around now on the Internet, uh, on Facebook and so on, just for Devon Bailey, just for Elijah McClain. Let's talk. You talked about uh, demonstrations that not only downtown Denver uh, in the Capitol, but also at the Royal Municipal Building. And that's for Elijah McClain. You'd like to touch a little bit on that uh, on that case? Yeah. So um, pretty much since you know March 27th, March 28th, we've been down at the Capitol protesting. We initially got bigger crowds than we thought we would. Uh, you know, we were thinking that it was mainly going to be the same the same usual suspects protesting and, and, and trying to get justice. It, it really just became a, it became a revolution. It became bigger than a movement, you know, right? There's people occupying the space right now yes. as we're doing this interview, you know, morning, noon, and night. So, you know, it went from us thinking that it was going to be, you know, something that wasn't, um, what wasn't what it is. You know, that's the most simplest way to say it. Uh, I, I'm impressed. I'm awed by the, the, the unity, uh, the way the community has stepped up. You know, uh, what's going on in the world with, with getting justice for Elijah McClain um, and Michelle Carter, who was also murdered. Uh, he didn't have a weapon. He was gunned down by the police um, in Aurora. You know, which is, it, it, he thought it was going to be the same 10, 15 people. Just, just a few weeks ago, it was the same 15, 20 people. And, you know, just last Saturday, there were over 2,000 people that ended up showing up down at the municipal center coming back and forth. Uh, white people, Latino people, Hawaiians, Asians, um, African-Americans, Africans, uh, Haitians, Jamaicans. You know, we, we're having all kinds of people getting involved, um, unifying, you know, preaching the same message, telling their truth. You know, we, we all got a story to tell about dealing with American policing. Um, federal policing, uh, you know, the police disorganizing communities by the use of dangerous informants or harassing people because they know they can. It's, you know, there's a lot of different things that have been done to different communities, you know, dealing with our police, you know, and um, everybody right now has a safe space to share that without fear of retaliation because we're all involved. The police can't just can't just target Donnie Bench right now. They just can't target Terrence Roberts. They got to target a thousand different people right now because everybody's stepping up into their role. And, and that's what I'm loving to see. That's what we've been asking for. I've been organizing 15 years. I've never seen anything like this. Mm. That, that's what I wanted to talk about you next, too, is um, having a brief conversation with Brother Jeff yesterday. He was saying, you asked me, and we both said how kind of tired we were, but we also said that, you know, like you said, 15 years you've been doing this work, putting in this work. Um, does this time feel really different to you? It does. I mean, because of the new team, man, we, we've been fighting police brutality for, there are people doing it before me, and I've been doing it now, like I said, 15 years. 
we've never had the cohesiveness of so many different organizations, so many different, you know, ethnic um, cultures getting behind us, coming where we ask them to come, you know, doing what we ask them to do, uh, listening to us. You know, right now we, we got, we call it the keys to the car. You know, like right now we, we got a lot of organizing ability um, and, and community power behind us, and we're using it, man. We're using it the right way. The messaging is good. You know, the crowd's flow is good. The, it, the chanting is good. You know, the, the protest, the marching is great. You know, people are stepping up. Like, new young organizers are stepping up. People who I never would have guessed are, are stepping up, um, uh, getting along with each other. There's, there's students who were in my after-school program. I haven't seen them. That they were in the eighth grade, they're organizing events down at the Capitol. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. We, I've never seen, like I said earlier, the cohesiveness and the togetherness and the, you know, the community pride that I'm seeing, even amongst the gangs, amongst the tribes. You know, I don't like to just consider them little gangbangers. I mean, some of those guys are grown men uh, who are your age, Johnny age, you yes. know, uh, and they take it serious. So there's a lot of serious stuff behind that. There's, it's not to be belittled, you know, so even with the different tribes, you know, uh, they're coming together. It's not even, you know, we have some violence that's still going on. We're still fighting that. But also, you know, there's some positivity coming out of it, too. We'd like to also message about the good, too. We're, we're getting a lot of good things coming out of all of this protesting and organizing. It's a, it's a movement. It's a, it's a revolution. We're in the revolution right now. I love it. I love that. You, I think you're absolutely right. We're speaking with Terrence Roberts, our, our guest today uh, on Metro and also on the podcast, uh, Black Radio Days. That's his Freedom Black Radio Days. Uh, Terrence, just give the people, before we move on to the House Bill 217, a little bit of your background and why you got involved in organizing, why you got involved in being an activist. Uh, I grew up in Park Hill. My grandmother used to own a restaurant called... Um, A&A Fish Market was on the corner of 28th and Fairfax, which was one of the hearts of the community, that block right there. So I grew up on 29th and Pontiac and walking up 29th Avenue, uh, going to her restaurant, which is on the corner of 29th, and just hanging out on Fairfax, just having community pride and, you know, love for my people. You know, when, when the crack cocaine era hit in the mid-80s, early 90s, you know, I was a young man, I was a preteen, then I was a teenager, I was 14 in 1990, and seeing my parents go through some of that stuff, and you know, seeing my community go from almost a, a, a Mayberry RSD type of community for black people to an urban war zone, a, a war has happened over there now since day, you know, and seeing that, of course, being the impressionable young man, wanting to represent my community, I fell off into gangs, uh, fell off into violence, selling drugs myself, I was never a drug abuser, but I did sell drugs, uh, getting incarcerated. I was shot in my back and partially paralyzed in the summer of violence of 1993. Uh, I was, you know, in the middle of all of that kind of activity. I was 17 years old as a young man. You know, uh, I, I went to Craig Medical Center, got healed up, remained in the gang, ended up going to prison. When I went to prison, I was in and out of jails, and I started studying my last prison stint. Uh, about organizing. I was getting older. I wanted to do something better for myself. You know, I had kids and I just wanted a better life. I was just getting too old for gangbanging. I, I, 
I didn't want to fight anyone anymore. I, I just wanted to do something else with my life, but I didn't know what I was going to do. And it was literally one day I was watching this speech by Martin Luther King. I have been to the mountaintop and it was on PBS. And I was actually watching this with a guy who was a rival gang member from the gang I was from. I used to be a part of blood and he was a crip from over on the five points. And uh, we became friends during a Bible study, actually, Bible study together. And we watched together after Martin Luther King said, you know, when you guys get to the mountaintop, I won't be there. But I've seen the vision and we've seen this movie and we were watching this. Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. Then at the end of the program, it said that Martin Luther King was murdered the very next day. And I remember sitting in my chair thinking, how prophetic is that? Yes. Like, even Jesus didn't, he didn't even predict his own death the day before it happened. Yes, that's correct. And, and I was amazed by that. So then I found out that his own mother was assassinated which a lot of people don't know is Martin Luther King's mother was also killed, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, all of those different things. And then I started reading about Malcolm X and I started studying the Bible deeper and like really getting into what Jesus was saying and how he fed the crowds and how he talked to people and how he even talked to detractors, and people who wanted to stone women. And just all of those things started to impress me. And I was, I was just so impressed with organizers and religious figures and, and, and activists and revolutionaries, you know, um, Corky Gonzalez and, you know, just all these different people. Um, even if I didn't agree with all of their ideologies, I was just impressed with their organizing ability and their leadership and how they spoke to the power. And it was literally one day in my jail cell, man, I, I was just like, I'm done. I don't want to be in a gang anymore. I don't want to do none of it anymore. And um, the next day at breakfast, I told those guys, Call me Terrence. <laughs> That's my name. And they laughed hard. They laughed at me for probably 10 minutes. They were looking at me like, yeah, right. But That's my name. That's why I want you to call me. So um, I went to prison. I did a few years in prison. As a changed man, I was in the system. And I was stopping race riots in the, in the penitentiary. Um, they called that a problem. They shot me all around DOC. Because instead of starting riots and starting fights, I was stopping riots and stopping fights. So um, got out of prison, and I was in the halfway house organizing peace marches. And I, I, I was going to different churches, going to different organizations, um, talking to Crips and Bloods, who I grew up with. And I started an after-school program when I left the halfway house. I was working for Einstein Bagels um, at Hallett Elementary, which is the elementary school I used to yeah. go to in Park Hill. Wow, okay. And um, it started off with 11 kids. We were just playing checkers and playing chess. But since the need was so great at the time, I went from 11 kids to 15 kids to 22 kids, 25 kids, 55 kids. <laughs> then next thing you know, man, I, you know, we were, I, I quit my job at Einstein Bagels. I, w- I had got a 501c3 just so I could raise enough money to start taking the kids hiking and rafting and stuff. And I didn't have to spend out my own money. I wasn't making that much money. Right. Uh, but it gave me the, the potential to raise a lot more money. So since I had my 501c3 in place and since the need got, got greater, I ended up raising about forty or fifty thousand dollars from actually some of the parents of the Cherry Tree High School kids, where I worked at the Ice Bagels over off of Bellevue and Yosemite. That's where I used to work. 
I then, you know, I went full time. I got my office over there. I worked for the Denver Children's Home also part time for a little while. That gave me some experience with community organizing through the Denver Children's Home. And then when I left and went totally full time with Prodigal Sons, I got my office in the Holly Square. Um, I shared an office with Senator Mike Johnson. He was the state senator at the time. And this was when the arson happened where the Crips burned down the Holly. Yes. And that's kind of where, you know, my, my community organizing really took off because I started organizing and getting involved with Hicken Luther's office at the time and different organizers about getting the Holly cleaned up. And then I, I raised enough money to put a park in the Holly. So I put the peace courts over there. I put a soccer field and the playground for the gazebos. And then I was able to raise $5 million in the issues to get a boy and girls club built over there. And we've just been organizing every since, you know, since they killed Paul Child um, over there in the, in the house where we've been fighting the police since then. I really got more involved with um, justice against police brutality and young black men being targeted and killed when Trayvon Martin got killed. And after that, it was pretty much my activism took, you know, a broader turn. You know, my spectrum got bigger as far as not only were we doing anti-youth violence work, you know, through our after-school program and our community organizing, but we were also focused on community development, raising money and um, changing blighted communities into peaceful, family-oriented areas. And that's pretty much how I got here. I started community organizing as a gang member, actually. Um, having, having gang members come to my grandmother's house and feeding them there and loading weapons and planning on fighting other black men. And now we're organizing, doing the same thing in my living room, planning on how, how can we heal? How can we stop a war instead of start one? Thank you so much for sharing that. Now, that's just a brief sample of your life, but thank you so much for sharing that. We're speaking with Terrence Roberts. My name is Donnie Betts, and you know, um, we're going to continue this conversation. And one thing I want to talk about, too, before we delve into a couple other things is uh, you testified um, this past week uh, on the bill uh, SB 217, which was passed uh, and is waiting to be signed by the Governor Paulus, uh, hopefully uh, as sooner than later. Uh, talk a little bit about that bill, the transparency bill to hold people, hold police in particular accountable, uh, the use of body cams, uh, the banning of chokeholds, uh, the, the banning of a, the use of excessive force. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Why was it so important for you to be there to testify for that? Well, a lot of that bill was actually drafted in my living room, literally in my living room. Mm. I did me and Candace Bailey. Uh, we took we took what we thought should be the bill to Leslie Harrod's office, and we had a meeting with her and Senator, I mean, not Senator, but Representative James Coleman, um, who hopefully is going to become um, our next state senator at Senate District 33. Mm. But, so um, James Coleman um, was there. Chantel Lewis was there. And uh, let's see, hurrah, we were in Ms. Hurrah's office. And, you know, because of watching that videotape with um, Elijah McClain, where they were literally murdering this young man and torturing him for wearing the same mask that's law for us to wear right now. Yes. He was wearing a mask. They were murdering this young man. And while they were murdering this young man, one of the police told the other cop, dude, your camera, cover your camera up. So that statement right there, him saying that, sparked us to having a meeting saying, you know, we can't just always protest forever. Like, we can't be down here every Saturday and there's 20 of us. Like, we didn't even know that there was going to be 
after all these George Floyd protests or anything. We didn't know that this, this whole revolution was going to spark. We were just thinking that we were just going to keep putting our knee on their neck and just keep knocking chinks out of their out of their armor, you know, putting dents in them, you know. So, you know, we took the bill to Miss Rod. Initially, she was saying, you know, the support is not there. We don't know if this will work. The police won't get behind it. This is bigger than you guys think. And we were like, we don't care. Run it anyway, you know. Um, just so happens that we get into this revolution. These things are happening. We're down at the Capitol organizing. And then the idea resurfaces. And then we knew at that time that we would have um, the vote, you know, on the House, in the House. And we would have, you know, the community support. And the police were going to pretty much have to back it. Even if they didn't back it, it was going to get passed anyway. So we said run it. And that's what she did. You know, she she. She did that, and now we're about to be signing the law. Um, Governor Polis has already said that he's going to sign it into law. But, you know, the police wearing body cameras definitely is something that it came from us. Uh, we're talking about body cameras that cannot be removed. You know, we do want more penalty because that's something that is a little lax right now. Um, if they do take those body cameras off or if they cover them, you know, but they're still – the fact that it's in the bill, that this is something that they're mandated to do, gives the community a whole lot more leeway into holding them accountable, pressing charges on police officers. You know, even if it's not in the bill, they can still get charges pressed from the district attorney's office. Um, people can sue the police if they are harassed or hurt or maimed by the police a lot easier. Also, even though this is, it, it is shameful that we have to legislate police doing their job that they're trained for, but in this bill, if a police officer catches another police officer hurting you, murdering you, maiming you, they are obligated as a police officer to intervene and save your life from their own colleagues. But we have things in the bill that are going to save lives, that are going to make police more aware of their actions, and it's going to it's going to make sure that the police start treating people a lot more respectful and not murdering people when they don't have to. Well, we can't thank you enough for being <clears throat> at the head of that, and we can't state, thank State Representative Iran for taking it on, as you say, running with it and, run, and running up the through, the through the hoops that it need to go through. Um, that's what people need to realize, too. They not only need to do that, but they need to really take action that way, too. Uh, as you said, you can't be there every Saturday, although, you know, we see protests, and I always bring out to the Middle East and Palestine, they're protesting every single day for years now. And it made a few changes, but it only made the foot come down hard on them sometimes. So, because they have less yeah. power, of course, than we do. Um, yeah. But anyway, being those real policy changes that you're talking about uh, and voting uh, and getting votes for, for convicted felons, uh, those kind of things is where the real power is and getting behind a candidate at the local level that you feel is going to change things. Now, you're talking about changing things locally right there. Isn't that some, you know, a national bill? Hopefully that's going to come too. But you're talking about making changes at a local level that's going to have a great impact for the people in this community. So we just can't it's think, gonna, you know. It's going to change policing nationally and possibly internationally. Mm -hmm. And it's coming right out of Colorado. You know, a lot of progressive things come out of this city and come out of this state. And I think right now with this bill, we're, we're showing it again. We're proving to the world again that Colorado, we got it, and we're willing to do it. We're willing to take those necessary steps for, for true change. Absolutely. Absolutely. Once again, like I said, can't thank you enough for that. Next step. Yes, sir. 
what other steps do we need to take um, to move this, keep this movement, this momentum going? As you said, things feel different this time. Yeah, I mean, we're going to keep adding to that bill. We're going to keep adding to that police accountability bill. Um, you know, more bills are going to be ran in January. We're going to add more to that. Uh, more penalty, more whatever we can that, that's beneficial to the community, to the people. We are going to continue to do uh, more demonstrations, more protests, boycotts if we have to. Uh, we're really going to be focused on elected officials, uh, even elected officials who think we're their friends. If you're not doing by the people, we're done with those kind of politics. It's, you know, all skin folk and kin folk, you know. Mm, so, say that again, know, brother. Be, yeah, all skin folk and kin folk. So if you if you're playing games, man, we we showing up whether you black, brown, white, you know, whatever. You know, right now we got this momentum for the people, and we're we're not gonna let it die. I mean, there, there's a genocide that's happening. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's a there's a, it's not even I, I was going to call it a silent, quiet genocide, but I can't even call it that anymore. It's not you know, silent. It's not. It's, it's not so silent. It's not. It, it, it's, it's, it's in our face. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know and. And we're not going to let it happen. If I was a white man, I would be doing exactly what I'm doing the same right now. And that's what you need to say to quote unquote allies, allies too. What can allies do? Really prove that they are with you. Not just willing to hold up a sign, which is great. Not to write some statement on your, on your website saying that you believe that black lives matters. You know, if your, if your boardroom doesn't reflect that, we don't care what you say. You know, if your real workforce yeah. doesn't reflect that and you're not protecting your work workforce, who cares what you say? You know, we have to be accountable. We have to hold them accountable. And yeah. Say it again. I what mean, can the allies do? I mean, so like you said, you know, regulate racism in the workplace, especially since a lot of our allies are hiring managers, their supervisors, their business owners. You know, in Denver, you know, black people make up about the same demographic as we make up nationally per capita. You know, here we, we make up about 13% in Denver. You know, nationally we make up about 13% of the population. I haven't seen the new census numbers, but you know, we're gonna stick with what we were last 10 years ago. So um, we make up one out of every 10 people in this country. The fact that black men and women have to fight, we are outnumbered 10 to one us versus every other culture. The fact that we continue to have to fight like we do, we have to riot like we do. We have to, you know, things have to burn. Things have to, we have to demonstrate that. That doesn't make any sense. It, it, even even a racist person would have to sit back and say, why are we so focused on holding back this one group of people that only makes a one out of 10 people? What, what are we afraid of? You know, if you are an ally, then, you know, don't fear people of color. You, you don't have anything to fear. You know, uh, white people rob each other, too, all the time. If you're white, you're probably going to get robbed by a white person. <laughs> right, <laughs> That's right. the fact. If you're, if you're a white person doing big business deals, you're probably going to have to sue another white person. You're probably not going to have to sue a black person. Mm-hmm. And understand that people are, you know, we're, we're, we're human just like everybody else. Hire that black woman. Trust her. Hire that black man. Trust him. If you got to fire them for a reason, don't act like all black people have these different issues. We're all individual people. You know, come to a rally. Donate to a black organization. You know, um, um, defend black people and brown people and, and, and indigenous people and Asians to your friends and your family members at dinners when there's all white people and, 
and people, they're focused more on a broken window than they are George Floyd. Correct them. Set them straight. Tell them, no, this is the focus. This is why this is happening. Don't focus on the what. Focus on the why, like the sister Kimberly Jones said in her video a couple of weeks ago. You know, so those are all the things that our allies can do. Um, Protest is not for everybody. I'm not an ableist. You know, if you got to do it from your Facebook, hey, do it from your Facebook. Defend us on Twitter. Share our posts. Donate. Hire us. Laugh with us. Um, include us, be included by us. You know, all of those things help, man, and in and, and more ways than people can even think of. Beautiful. Thank you, Ed. It's a great way to end this conversation for the moment. Uh, we're going to do this again. Uh, anytime you're welcome to use this platform that I'm able to have. And again, I can't thank you enough, Terrence. Oh, man, I appreciate you for including me, Donnie. And anytime you want to get me on, I'll be more than happy to discuss whatever we need to, my brother. Beautiful. Take care, all right? Okay, have a good day. All right, this is Donnie Betts and with Terrence Roberts, Tony Law. That concludes this episode of Destination Freedom Black Radio Days. Thank you for listening. Make sure you check us out at nocredits.com and pick up our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. iTunes, Radio Public, Spotify, etc. Follow us at Twitter at Donnie Betts, hashtag No Credits Production LLC, hashtag Black Radio Days, hashtag Destination Freedom Black Radio Days. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There is enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.